Hello and welcome to the D1 Softball Podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Henry. As always, we are excited to bring you the best of the best in college softball. After the show, head on over to d1softball.com for all the latest stories, coaching scoop, international softball news, fall schedule, and more. If you subscribe today, you can use Podcast 20, that's P-O-D-C-A-S-T 20, for 20% off an annual subscription. We are excited for today's new episode that features Nebraska head coach, Rhonda Ravel. The D1 Softball Podcast is sponsored by Bat Club USA. Bat Club USA is a subscription service for premium baseball and softball equipment. In 2016, co-founders Eric and Oscar realize there's a huge performance gap between top-tier bats and the ones most people can actually afford. Learn how you can give your little slugger access to the best bat for their swing, starting at $20 per month by visiting batclubusa.com. Now let's get started. I'm joined, actually, by two of the D1 softball staff this week, uh, Rhiannon Potkey, uh, my normal co-host, and we've got Brady Vernon joining us this week. How are you both doing? I'll, I'll start with you, Rhi. I'm doing good. I'm happy to have a, a third person on here with Brady because I think we get sick of uh, talking to each other so much. So, And he's just drops all kinds of knowledge on us all the time. So I'm excited to have him join the podcast today. Brady, welcome to the D1 Softball Podcast. I, be I believe this is your debut on the podcast. Uh, welcome. Hello. Thank you. Uh, you know, just braving the cold that is 60 degrees in Arizona. Um saw frost in my windshield this week and i was just like what is happening this is armageddon I, I think we've got the same thing happening over here on the west coast well we've got rain so uh which is a good thing that we actually need some weather over here uh we've got rain and some cold temperatures i, I i'm not going to even throw it to re about the cold temperatures well honestly we can't complain here it's been a hot spell but it's going to get down to like 40 next week so then i'll be able to contribute but this week's been in the 70s so i'm like fine like it's gotten up to that so got a few bike rides in so i'm just uh waiting for me to have to hibernate for the winter soon so for right now we're all good all right well let's get into some softball news some big news for women's pro fast pitch uh jocelyn allo announced at the espnw summit mind you i was in the crowd that she had been traded to uh, the okc spark tina floyd the owner all women franchise the OKC Spark was there as well, sat and chatted with both of them, and they were just so excited that Jossie's uh, going home to Oklahoma City. And, you know, to be honest, I think we've all been a little bit skeptical of what they were going to do with this league, and I do think this is a step in the right direction. Rhea, I'll go to you first. What are your thoughts? Yeah, definitely, I think, uh, an obvious one, if they could pull it off, because you want that home. I mean, she's Jossie's popular everywhere, but to have the anchor there in a place where she played close to, they can attract all the fans that are local. And then when she goes on the road, people are going to want to watch her anyways, right? So they're going to instantly be a person where you're going to pack stands when you're at a visiting stadium. So it completely made sense if they were able to pull it off. And it just, uh, I'm glad they could do it for the league's sake. I, I know that last year was kind of just an exhibition season, but I think to have something like that in place as you do the first full season is a definite benefit for this league. And they will be playing at Hall of Fame Stadium in Oklahoma City. So they announced that as well. We are waiting for, for them to announce the actual stadium. And also, some more big news for the WPF. Brandon Phillips now is the owner of the franchise in Dallas. Brady, I'm going to throw this to you. What do you think this means for softball to have um, 
such a, a influence on the baseball side and a player in Brandon Phillips investing in women's sports? Um, so those that don't know about Brandon Phillips, like he's multi-time gold glover and stuff, but growing up for me, a lot of people liked him just because of how funny he was and like how energetic. And I think having that personality come from baseball is really, really nice. And to see someone like that, that is so personable that it's into this sport, I think a lot of you want to see. And I think that's really fun at its itself. So I think that should be really good. And I just wanted to touch kind of like on Ree's point of having Cassie and OKC. I just think that's a really good business decision because like we know that Oklahoma fans can pack crowds, but you're kind of just going into your market in OKC and it's not a far drive. So you're giving them their star. And so if they can appeal to that crowd and get people in the stands and, and get it almost like an OU kind of atmosphere, I think that'd be really good for the league starting off in its first years. And Ree and I, we were in OKC together, and we saw how the fans respond to having not only OU, but Oklahoma State there, and just respond, or respond to softball. So kind of piggybacking off that, to have the WPF starting there in June, I think that's huge momentum uh, for the Pro League. So that's Pro News. Now we're going to head to Fall Reports. We've got loads of Fall Reports up on the site. We'll start with Oklahoma State. Graham Hayes covering uh, Oklahoma State. and. They've got 14 newcomers. I mean, shocker. <laughs> this this happens every year. But seven freshmen and seven transfers. Uh, Kelly Maxwell, again, in the circle. Uh, talk a little bit about that that tough loss to Texas uh, to uh, in the semis and almost advanced. They lost twice to Texas. But Maxwell is back, and they got Lexi Kilfoyle. Brady, I'll throw it to you. What are your thoughts on Kenny Gajewski? Uh, and what they're doing at Oklahoma State. I mean, I feel like people are so quick to be like, oh, well, they're just like bringing in more players just to like do what they want to do. But I mean, they lost a lot of talent from last year's team. And especially like in the circle, like we saw, and we didn't see it in the postseason, but I mean, Randa Ellis was the number two pitcher. Morgan Day was the number two pitcher in the postseason. So they needed another arm and getting Lexi Kilfoyle, who has her share of injuries but she doesn't have to be the number one like having to pair her with kelly maxwell who can be your ace and we saw how how good she is um last year and so i think it's just another great job of like rebuilding and i mean we'll see like the freshman contribute as well and so it's just another testament to i guess you working the portal as he usually does so that's Oklahoma State up on the site. Full report is up on d1softball.com. Rhea, I'm going to head to you. Mississippi State, Samantha Ricketts, uh, they upset the Seminoles, Florida State, in the Tallahassee Regional, uh, and then fell eventually fell to a hot Arizona team, which between you know our staff at D1 Softball, we were so surprised that Arizona got to the Women's College World Series, but proved uh, that they had the chops. What do you got on Mississippi State and, and what Ricketts is doing there? Yeah, well, kind of obviously is trying to ride off that momentum, right? They had the biggest crowds in the state of Mississippi forever for softball and, you know, any any uh, any game anywhere in the state ever. So that was good. And she said that, you know, that obviously the community is really responding to that. And, uh, you know, the big thing is they have to replace Mia Davidson. She's still there. She's just not able to actually be in the lineup because she's coach now. So that's kind of just finding out where the offense will come, you know, because she was such a, obviously, the linchpin of that, you know, offensive and defensively. But Samantha's pretty, pretty, uh, she's pretty confident. They've got a lot of returners. They've got a lot, they're almost their whole staff returning, Aspen Wesley. And they had some, they've had some really good performances from them. And um, she's pretty, you know, pretty excited about some of the kids she has coming in as well. It's just going to be kind of like, 
like who fills that power void and like a lot of teams, they're still trying to figure out the lineup in terms of, I mean, it's only fall, but just like who's going to play where and kind of who's going to fill holes. But um, they like a lot of the versatility they have with some of their players. Um, defensively, they really improved a little bit as the as the year went on. Um, cool thing, too, is obviously they're getting that new facility built for the practice so that's facility. Um, so that's going to be a huge, you know, typical. <laughs> we love Resitter Wi-Fi here on this show. Hey, you know what? What? I just got a brand new, I paid like 100 bucks for brand new stuff. So now I'm just, uh, it makes me even more irritated this week. I can't believe it. Like I just wasted tons of money thinking it would help and it didn't. So I want a refund. I want a refund. It must be where I live. I'm convinced now because I upgraded everything. Mississippi State Bulldogs, uh, in case you missed some of it, just head on over to the site, dwhatsonball.com. Yeah, just do that. I'm better writing than I am with this stuff. We all know that. So let's just stick with the writing, all right? All right. So now we'll head to uh, Penn State. Uh, Brady, I want to talk to you a little bit about Clarissa, Clarissa Crowell and what she's doing up there with the Nittany Lions. Seven wins in her first season and 32 wins last season. And I think any team with a Bailey Partial it, it has got a shot uh, at it. So what do you got on Penn State? Yeah, and that was the thing was, you know, the year before in her first year, they won seven games. And so to have a 25-game turnaround is really, really impressive. And a lot of that has to do with Bailey and having an ace with so much forward team like that. But the thing was that she was so excited about the progression that her offense made this fall. She was she could not stop talking up and down the line about players' progression and stuff. There was a lot of players that she had never seen, like, hit home runs or hit for power like they have in this fall. And so if you can pair that with Bailey and like have a lot of, because I don't, they, their offense was just very average at best last year. So if you get that progression, like they could actually make some noise in the big 10 that feels really open behind Northwestern and all those returners. And so she's really excited to see what they can do. And, you know, the thing is like, they have like a big freshman class, but you're not going to see a lot from them because like almost 80% of their roster is juniors, seniors, and fifth years. And so they're really, really going to be experienced. And so they are a team that could make a lot of noise that people aren't really considering. Right? Yeah, I got my eye on them. And remember, uh, they were at conference only, I believe, for that first season. So uh, a bit of a change here uh, for uh, Clarissa uh, heading into uh, 2023. Then we'll head down to Auburn. Mickey Dean and the Tigers. Gosh, tons of injuries last year, but sounds like they're on the mend. And gosh, what a fun team to watch last season. And a healthy Tigers team, I think, is uh, something that the SEC needs to watch out for. Re, what do you got? Yeah, that was a big thing. We know, obviously, with Shelby Lowe last year, her injury one was this was a struggle the whole year and Maddie Penta had to shoulder a huge load more than they really wanted her to so that was the big emphasis was they went out and got a whole bunch of pitchers through the transfer portal and through just recruiting obviously freshmen a lot of versatile players that can do both that just can't but can pitch but can also hit and can also be in other spots in the field so that's the theme of that one I mean I go read it all but just they brought in some really great players uh, they, they think are going to contribute but it's all going to come down to that staff and if they can stay healthy. And, um, yeah, a lot of surgeries in the offseason at Auburn and a lot of mending in the fall. So we'll see. And hopefully, you know, Lowe was so great as a freshman. And it was, I'm sure for, he said, very frustrating for her last year. And it would be great to see her back, back and kind of at full strength. And if, if she is with her and Maddie as a one-two in that depth, that's a pretty, that's a really dangerous squad. 
very dangerous. And again, if they're healthy, I, I think a, a team to keep an eye on because they were they were in our young. Uh, and I think that's what uh, Mickey Dean is build, uh, building over there. And we'll, we'll keep an eye on them. So that's it for our fall reports of the week. Uh, speaking of the Big Ten, Brady, we're get, we've got uh, Rhonda Ravel on today as our guest of the week. Uh, Nebraska head coach, incredible run just a season ago. And can't wait to hear from her because she is honestly one of my favorite head coaches across the country. She's been doing it for so long and she's been there since the beginning. And uh, what she's done with Nebraska in the past couple of years uh, has been amazing because she's really uh, turned it around there. Thoughts on Nebraska, you two? Uh, Brady, we'll start with you. I mean, kind of going off the point, I mean, I think with all the fifth years coming back to Northwestern and that uh, College World Series team, you know, they're going to be the heavy favorites. But I mean, after that, it's going to be open. I feel like there's a lot of question marks from the tournament teams. I don't really know what Michigan's going to look like. Ohio State has pitching questions. And so if they can kind of bottle that up again, like they're going to be right there again at the top of the conference. And, you know, they had really impressive power numbers with Andrews and Gray. And so we're just going to see if they can kind of respond because teams are going to be looking at them because it's not going to be a surprise this year because, you know, they did it last year. I agree. Ree, anything to add on Nebraska? No, just that was one of the great stories from last year, just kind of them getting back into contention, especially after all the upheaval and things that took place within that program. Um, it was great to see kind of the redemption story and because that's good for softball and she's good for softball. So more, uh, more Ronda Ravel is a good thing. All right, here's Ronda Ravel, head coach of Nebraska. Hello and welcome back to the D1 Softball Podcast. Uh, Tara Henry here and now joined by our guest of the week, none other than Nebraska head coach, Rhonda Ravel. Rhonda, thank you so much for joining us this week. You're welcome. It's good to be here. And just a few of her accolades because I could go through, um, you know, pages and pages. The winningest coach of all time in Nebraska, not only Nebraska softball, but Nebraska athletics uh, in the NFCA Hall of Fame, uh, coach of the year, and been a part of a few conferences, uh, the Big 8, uh, the Big 12, and the Big 10. We'll go through that in a little bit. But just want to get your take on, you know, we're in the middle of fall ball towards the end of it. Uh, Coach, what are you seeing from the Huskers uh, heading into fall, and what's it like been in, in Lincoln right now? Well, I've seen a team that's hungry, and I like that. Because, you know, we had, we had a fair amount of success last year. I felt like we got back trending in the right direction for Nebraska softball. but. Uh, the thing that's nice is that we're celebrating that. We'll continue to celebrate it. We get recognized actually this week at our football game, and that'll be fun. And we have a weekend of champions with some of the College World Series teams coming back, and they'll integrate with that group. Uh, however, they're still hungry, and they're hungry for more. And they think that you know we have we have the majority of our returning lineup back, and so uh, they're setting their sights even higher. And you know we as coaches want to make sure that we set the right environment and the template. So they can certainly make a good run at that. And, you know, Coach, you've been at this for a while. You were actually on the first uh, team in 1982 at the Women's Cold World Series. And let's fast forward to now. What have you seen in terms of the growth of our sport uh, of softball? Because you've been, you've been there. You've seen all the iterations. What do you think is the biggest change uh, in terms of, of what we've seen over the last couple of decades? Okay, I think this will kind of tell the story. So I'm doing a prep meeting with our event people uh, last week for this weekend of champions coming up. 
And they're talking about how some a spokesperson from each team will speak and they'll come up right after the video. But the video for the 82 team is a video of still shots. And they didn't even hardly have many still shots. So they're really having to kind of piece it together. And everybody else has video. And so if that doesn't depict really where we were and where we are, that they we were lucky to even have a photographer take some photos. And I already know, because I was on that team, I already know what still shot they're going to show of me, because I think it's the only one they have. <laughs> what still shot is it? It's me and my pitching motion looking really determined. <laughs> so you, I'd say, so now it's on ESPN on television. Now, in terms of Oklahoma City, uh, in fact, you went back in 2013, so you were a part of, you know, like we said, the championship then. And in terms of the growth of what you saw heading back to Oklahoma City, um, what has that impact been, and what do you attribute to that growth? Well, even even from 2013, which is less than a decade ago, to today, you know, I went down, Kate Drohan is one of my dearest friends, and I said, you make it to Oklahoma City, I'll be there. Well, I didn't want any special treatment, so I just took my seats where I got them, and I was in that new upper deck. And I'm sitting there in that new upper deck and it's packed going, okay, wow. It's been a long time. I've never been there just in a long time just to watch as a fan. I've been there with the NFCA, but I'm watching and going, okay, in less than 10 years, this place has exploded. And 10 years ago, it felt big. And it, I, was, I was really amazed. And even walking in with the fans from parking over at the Remington Park and all that. Um, I just, what do I attribute to it? I think, I think you know, the old saying, if they build it, they'll, they'll come. If you build it, they'll come. Well, it wasn't just about building it. It was about if you show it, they'll, they'll show up. If you show it, they'll show up. And I just give a lot of credit to television. And especially, I've said this many, many times, the Mega Gronowitz is probably the single biggest hero of our sport as far as being a catalyst for growth because of, how she pushed behind the scenes. I mean, she's been passionate. And a lot of other people have done a lot of work. Don't get me wrong. But without her leading that charge, I don't know if we'd be quite as far along that path as we are now. I think you're absolutely correct. If you see it, you know, you, you know, young players are, are able to watch their heroes now on television and it's readily available. You can watch, you know, various games across all, you know, all sorts of networks. And even the Big Ten Network, I, I got to watch a lot of your games this season. and. Gosh, your team was just so fun to watch, Coach. I had such a, uh, as a viewer, as a fan, as an analyst, it just, it was an incredible team to watch throughout the season. And uh, I want to know what is different about Nebraska softball? And I've noticed a shift, and I think we talked about this a couple of years ago, but what has that difference been in the last couple of years? And, and you said you're trending up. What do you, what do you think that is and, and why? Well, you talk about last year, and thank you for that. That's a really nice compliment. Uh, I remember talking with Jenny Ritter specifically. There were others that uh, did our games, but when we were making that run through the Big Ten tournament, Jenny Ritter, you know, she, at one point in time, she came down to the field afterwards, and she had tears in her eyes, and like, talk to me. She goes, your team is just, I don't know, there's just an emotion that I'm seeing. I said, well, let's, let's call it what I hope it is, and it's joy. And they're playing with a lot of joy. And, you know, a lot of times you can say they're playing with a lot of passion. They're competing well. And I hope that's true as well. But I think we really, um, 
started to understand because we started to hear from a lot of our fans that we were a joy to watch. And to me, you think about somebody going to a sporting event, if they can be entertained, that's a real plus. But if they can leave with more joy than with which they came, and it, yes, it might be somewhat tied to the scoreboard, but I, I, like I said to our players, I said, we all need that in our world. You know, our world has quite a bit of darkness that we sometimes are dealing with. If we can be just a light, a little ray of inspiration, a little joy. Um, I, I don't know. I think we, we started to take a lot of pride in that. But here was the thing. It wasn't it, it, what I encouraged, what we encouraged them was just be who you are. Just do what you're doing. It's not like you have to do anything more. And so what caused that? I think there was a really, this might sound cliche. I think there was a real true warmth and caring and love for their teammates. And there was a real desire from the oldest senior to the youngest freshman that they wanted it to be different. They wanted Nebraska, they wanted to reward the people and that pour so much into our program, but they're the only ones that can do it on the field. And that meant a lot. Yeah, I mean, I have goosebumps when you kind of talk about it. And I do I do think you're right. But I think that there was a lot of joy. Um, and then you went through that whole, you know, winning streak. But you know, it, it's got to start from, from somewhere. And in, in looking at our game and looking at the, the college landscape, you know, we've had a lot of conference shifts. So, and you've been even in various conferences uh, throughout your tenure there. And now they've announced that UCLA and USC will be joining the band. What do you think the impact is going to have, uh, good and bad, because there's going to be some travel involved if this does go through uh, with UCLA entering the Big Ten? Well, you said you mentioned all those conferences I've gotten the opportunity to coach in, and I kept thinking two, four, six, eight, you know, like eight, 10, 12, uh, now 14 or 16 or 20 or whatever it's going to be. Uh, I think for Nebraska, specifically, I don't even know if we're going to feel it because we're already on the Western edge of the Big Ten Conference. So our travel schedule is pretty vast right now in conference. So does it matter if we're flying to Maryland or LA? Not really. And I'm not even certain that we're done yet with this expansion thing. I'm pretty sure that there's going to be another little round of uh, add-ons in the near future. I, I don't know how near the near future is. And no, I don't know anything. Uh, I don't, I don't want my phone ringing going, what do you know? I don't know anything, but, uh, I think that, you know, you add a, you add a brand, a softball brand like UCLA to the big 10. I mean, why shouldn't that, why shouldn't that bolster for all recruits, you know, let's come to the big 10 and you have a chance to compete, even if it's not, they're not going to UCLA, but you have a chance to compete against a team that's won maybe more than, um, have they won the most national championships of any program? And yeah. So, wow. I mean, that's a great opportunity. And so we have to look at it that way and we have to, you know, build it that way. And then maybe just when, you know, I talked to Kelly, I or Lisa and they're not knowing what real feel means. Maybe that'll give us an advantage when they have to come our way. <laughs> yeah. You're joking with them that they're going to actually, 
put those parkas that they have to actual use uh, because <laughs> it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting because you know I'm I'm just what 25 minutes from the field and the weather is gonna be a bit of a rude awakening I think for the Bruins uh, once that travel happens but again I couldn't agree more and and I've been watching the Big Ten as of late I mean that's who I've been covering the last couple of years and. Uh, I would agree that I think it's just going to make the conference stronger. Uh, and it'll be interesting, those travel schedules, uh, to see how that kind of uh, works into there. But also, you know, last season, you, you had arms in the circle. I want to talk about your newcomers. Do you have any newcomers uh, that are going to take the field and anybody that you've got your eye on that you think is going to make an immediate impact? Well, probably the most notable is our transfer, Sarah Harness, who was at Southern Illinois. And Sarah had some really good years at Southern. And uh, I think people probably remember her most because this was a televised game against Arizona State in 2021 at the regionals in Tempe. And, I mean, you look back at that game and she was bringing it. And so we're really excited about Sarah. She dealt with a little bit of a wrist injury last year that – kind of got her mechanics off, but Coach Sipple is getting her, like her last bullpen. She just looks like the old Sarah. And so we're looking forward to that. We also have Kendall Mangle, who is a uh, first year in our program. And so, you know, she, she'll she give us some good innings too. She gives some good innings this fall. And then uh, at second base, Kate Kaneda, who is a Corona Angel, comes out of Southern California. Uh, she had a a really lively fall for us did some really nice things and as we head into the winter she's definitely got the edge at second base you know we're training a couple different freshmen there but she's definitely got the edge coming out of fall ball uh and and fortunately she's circled by a lot of veteran infielders and sid gray who's a junior billy andrews who's a junior and then maya felder who is a fifth year senior so that, that should help bring her along. And then otherwise, you know, we've got a lot of veterans returning and then the freshmen are really getting a chance to develop. And that's actually pretty nice too. And so you, you mentioned uh, the Corona Angels and, and I, I was looking at your coaching tree and, and I had a conversation with Tori Tyson about kind of how you helped her career. But in terms of all of the various coaches that you've coached, we can go down the line. You got MJ Knight, and she's at San Diego. Kiki Stokes, uh, and Tatum Edwards, and Tori. What does that mean to you to see your players across the country at you know succeeding at, and taking those head coaching positions and and really uh, representing Nebraska softball as well? Uh, that's a, you know talk about the word joy. I'm not trying to overuse it here today, but that. That brings us great joy. And, you know, I want, by virtue of some retirements this last summer, I think it's really interesting that the Nebraska softball staff is the longest standing tenured staff now in the country. But then on the other end of it, the two youngest Division I head coaches in Kiki Stokes and MJ Knighton are also Huskers. So we are completely bookending that coaching tree of young and not so young. <laughs> And you were part of the NFCA for, you know, a good amount of time, a president there. What, what do you think that organization and, and in terms of, you know, developing young coaches and being a resource, how has that helped kind of further along the sport? Because I remember even to, you know, back in the early 2000s, uh, 
players weren't really staying in the sport and, and continuing to coach. And I've seen a real big in more players staying on to become coaches. And uh, what can you attribute that to? I think really the vision and the leadership of Carol Bruggeman and her staff. And, you know, Brugg is a coach. I mean, she's doesn't matter what she's doing. She's still coaching. Doesn't matter what title she has. She's Coach Brugg. And I, I think that we've had opportunities with the NFCA and especially during COVID. If you think about this, our programming at the NFCA actually increased during COVID. And, and I remember being in a lot of those chat rooms, you know, on, on Zoom, and you would hear coaches going, I don't know where I would be without the NFCA in this moment because they just were doing pop-up stuff all over. Well, coming out of COVID, they've increased their programming again. So what I think is so great about the NFCA and the vision of, like I said, Brug and her staff, and especially with uh, Joanna, because she does a lot of that from, from their podcast to their webinars to their mentoring. You know, they have these triangle mentoring that's year long. It's very vast. There's a lot of coaches involved. Um, so, so you, so there's just so many touch points and so many opportunities that you're always getting a chance to uh, nurture and grow your skills. And and then you talk about these young coaches. They have a program that they started just a year ago for first-year head coaches, and they bring on guest speakers all the time. I mean, who wouldn't want that? I would have died for that as a young coach, right? And, and MJ actually took it last year, and she said it was outstanding. I love that and uh, couldn't agree more. And hopefully we'll see you at the NFCA convention uh, in, the, in the next uh, month here or so. But again, in talking about, you know, moving forward and, and Nebraska softball, what is that? What's something that you all have done this fall in terms of team bonding? Have you done anything kind of outside of softball or has it been strictly softball, softball, softball uh, heading into fall? Is there any fun events that you all have done? Yeah. Yeah. I was just thinking the other day, we haven't been very fun this fall. So now you're just, you know, you're just poking <laughs> the bear here. Now I, I was really thinking, it seems like we've been so busy. Like we've celebrated a lot of things, but it's like, where's the fun? Like, where's just the fun, you know? And even today, even today, it's like, it's so nice outside. Maybe we should just be doing something fun. I'm like, oh, I guess I'm just not very fun. No. Uh, <laughs> so, so I can't tell you anything really, really special that we've done. Um, but wait, check back with me on that because I'm going to make something really fun happen. Well, we are taking this on Halloween. Uh, have you done? Was there any Halloween costumes? Did you do any pumpkins at practice? Anything? I know that's what I'm saying. It's like last year we played this really fun game for Halloween in their costumes, and this year with Halloween being on a Monday and it's our off day, we're not doing anything today. And with Friday, coaches traveling to recruit, we didn't do anything fun that day, and so it was like. I'm just like, whoa, bah humbug, and that's the wrong holiday, but still. <laughs> All right, well, I'm going to check back in with you. Maybe you could play some wiffle ball or, you know, backwards softball. I'm going to check in and make sure that there's some fun being had. Um, in terms of the recruiting trail, uh, you know, again, it, it's such a different landscape than it was uh, back in the day. What have you noticed that in terms of recruiting and travel teams and going out to various um, events 
what have you noticed the last couple of years that there's been a shift in, in you know, that recruiting phase or, or, or the talent that you see across the country? I think there's so many directions I could take that right now, but I'll start with the most obvious. I think it's so much healthier that we're not in earnest recruiting, making offers to young young ladies until they're a junior in high school. I think that's the biggest thing. And the fact that you know, I was talking to somebody the other day that hasn't been in coaching that long, and I was talking about how we would manage, uh, you know, doing things to keep the freshmen in high school going, the sophomores, the juniors, the ones that have just signed, trying to keep all kinds of communication going. And then, oh, yeah, we have our own team that's on our campus. And now it's really about that junior class and that senior class, the communication. And it's, you know, you might be prospecting your 25s, but I don't know how many are going farther down the, the road than than that you know it's like somebody invited me to a 14 and under game the other day and i i actually called the coach i said love ya i'm not going to go to a 14 and under game i've done enough of that in my time and i'm not judging anybody that does but i just think it's so much healthier because the other thing that's changed a lot is now the transfer portal that's a real part of our program and people use it in various ways to uh you know to leverage talent when they have holes or you know some people are using it even a little bit more, but um, it's a real part of our sport too. And that has impacted recruiting because it's a part of recruiting. It's a large part of our summer recruiting. I just talked to you about Sarah Harness adding to our program. So we spent a lot of time recruiting Sarah this summer. Yeah, it's been such a change. And, you know, that transfer portal has been a place where you can go and fill a void that if you have a, you know, a hole on your roster and, the transfer portal, and then you've got the NIL deal. I'll, I'll, we'll talk a little bit about this, and then I'll let you go because I need to get back to practice. But what is the impact been on Nebraska softball in this, these NIL deals, and, and what are you seeing in terms of uh, how it's maybe changed you know, your players for uh, better or for worse? I, I think that you can you look at it both ways, and uh, that was a kind of a, a huge um change in our sport but now these females are, are able to make money on their name image and likeness uh, what are you talking about? I think you know I would say on our campus right now probably on the women's side our volleyball team is is most in the NIL space I will say that several of our players have done some NIL work and deals I would say most of it's come in the way of running camps and clinics and um, and making some extra money that way. But I think all in all, they're just like anything, there's good and bad of anything. And, and I think that even our players, as I've talked to them, they're learning that they do the best with it in moderation. So it kind of goes back to a age long bit of wisdom that everything in moderation, because if they get too caught up in it, they feel like their skills or their school start to suffer. But if they don't, if they don't enter into that space at all, they're maybe losing opportunities that could help them. And I think it'll be very interesting. Uh, this last year's been interesting, but I really think out on the horizon, the next two years, I feel like we'll we'll start to understand and we'll settle into how this space is really going to work. I know at Nebraska, there have been some collectives started, like they probably have on most campuses. I'm really interested. There's another group right now that's forming and getting. Um, 
all of its anchors in the ground. And they're actually not calling themselves a collective, they're calling themselves a collaborative. And so they're just trying to do it a little bit differently as a nonprofit uh, and and having having a component to everything that our student athletes do with them would have, they would be doing some community service work that's tied to it. And so there's a spirit of volunteerism and philanthropy attached to it. That's that's pretty intriguing to me because, you know, we're trying to help that people grow as human beings as well in their experience and college not just get their education and play a sport right yeah well i that's right at my alley more of a collaboration uh than a collective and yes. leave you this i know you're are you still are you still a cycling teacher at the ymca so during covid the ymca that i taught went completely under and it was an older building so they never came back but this i'm happy to report that another ymca in town got a yes out of me and I'm so excited about it. So I am now, uh, I, I started with this, when the school year started, just teaching one morning a week. But what it does is it incentivizes me to get on my Peloton or my spin bike at home. So I'm not just spinning once a week, which is great. It's fun <laughs> and really fun to be back. I love it. Well, hopefully you can catch Coach at the YMCA, uh, one of her classes and uh, just, Always fun to chat with you. Love what you you know you're doing at Nebraska. Not only you know this last year, but uh, since I've been a part of this sport, just always looked up to you and can't thank you enough for for being such an incredible uh, leader and role model for uh, not only women but everybody that's a part of softball. So thank you so much, Coach, and uh, hopefully we can have you back on during season. Anytime. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for the nice words too. Rhonda Ravel, head coach of Nebraska softball. Always love chatting with her. Incredible uh, leader. She's done a, a ton, not only for her program, but just the coaching tree across the country and all the players she's mentored and, and now our, our head coaches. Um, just great to have her on and and uh, wishing her the best of, best of luck heading into the 2023 season. Uh, Brady and Rhea, I want to get your final thoughts on the week. Uh, anything that we can look forward to? Uh, heading into the weekend? Well, today's a uh, signing day, so you're going to see a lot of signing classes roll um, as we're taping this. Well, you'll, when you'll hear it, it'll be a day removed. But uh, already seen a lot of retweets and a lot of signing classes. And some, you know, with softball, it's like five years of expectations for some of these. And even with the new rule, they've been scouting these kids forever. So um, expect to see a lot of that rolling out this weekend and, and get to meet some of these freshmen that are signing is signing day open stay and then it's kind of two or three days for at least softball and uh it's always a fun time very busy but fun time for the coaches Brady um so I guess for softball fans going off that point and this is crazy talking about players who will not be playing until the 2024 season but uh, one class that is like really good that is signing today is Florida's um they probably have two of the top workers coming in and Keegan Rothrock, who is a very talented pitcher that a lot of people have been talking about for a long time. And then Mia Williams, who is the daughter of former NBA point guard Jason Williams. And so getting that's a big day for them because both her parents are former Gators. And so really, really big day for her. And so she's really, really talented. Thanks for that, Brady. Uh, go ahead, Reed. No, Brady, did you? Uh, I was a very big Jason Williams. Did you watch him? Do you know much about him? Have you studied him now? Because you're young. 
Hey, he's showing my hat. He was on the OCT team. He was on. I have my white chocolate in my E team. Him and Gary Payton. I was gonna say white chocolate, baby. We all the white chocolate. I mean, that was there was highlights every day. I'm glad you studied up on that because that's. I know it's a little old school, but I love it. I love seeing some of these, uh, you know, former NBA, NFL players have their daughters be stud athletes, and we see it more and more, especially in softball. It's been awesome. All right. Well, congratulations uh, to all the players that are, are finally signing uh, on the dotted line and are heading to their their dream schools. And uh, also this weekend, don't forget the Pan American Championship is happening in Guatemala City. Team USA uh, will start their campaign down there on Saturday. All games will be streamed on the WBSC America's YouTube channel. So make sure uh, if you're missing out on some international softball, you, you check that out. Uh, all right, final thoughts for the week. Re, anything? No, just uh, this is great. Listen to listen to this. Share with your friends. Everyone, the more podcast viewers we get, the uh, the better, and the more we can do more in the future. So just share with everything. Share the fall reports. Subscribe, listen, rate, review, all that good stuff. Wherever you get your podcasts. And Brady, I just want to welcome you to the D One Softball Podcast, and uh, excited to have you joining us. And hopefully uh, it, it wasn't, we weren't too much for you, but I, I think uh, we're lucky to have you as an addition here on the D1 Softball Podcast. I appreciate it. I'm going to apologize in advance for any time anyone ever hears my dog, Obi. So he's a terror of a puppy. So. <laughs> All right. Well, Tara Henry here for Brady Vernon and Rhiannon Podkey. This is a D1 Softball Podcast. Head on over to the site, d1softball.com. Uh, and we'll see you all next week.